We're so glad that you are here. This is our For You series, and uh, we are talking about what it would look like in the world to know that God is, and we have hand signals, for you. To know that, that Jesus isn't here just to establish some set of rules and regulations, but that really his heart is for you as an individual, and that we as the people of God are here to communicate to the people around us that we are also for you. And so each week I'm sharing with you just a couple of things as I begin my message about what God has done through Eastside for Eastside in the middle of the pandemic and, uh, and reminding us that God is still at work. He's not surprised and surges come and surges go and we're trying to be safe, but God is still God. He's still on the throne and he's still doing amazing things. And so for those of you who are on campus today, you are sitting on some of the amazing things that God has done because these are the chairs that help us complete our sanctuary remodel, which we began during the pandemic because, well, we had pivoted entirely online and no one was in the room when, on Sundays. And so we had an opportunity to do a remodel and a refresh uh, for our sanctuary, which was originally built in 1986. So you're over 30 years and it was the original carpet. Can you imagine how much stuff was in that carpet after 30 years of people walking in and out of this building? And so we began that process and last May, we ordered these chairs and they showed up this week. Thank you, Jesus, for the supply chain, all right? Uh, and, and so uh, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I will also let you know that uh, these are set up in a socially distanced fashion, um, and there are just as many of them in one of the rooms here in the, behind me, uh, behind the sanctuary, so that when we get to the place where we no longer need to keep you six feet apart uh, from each other, we will be able to bring the rest of the chairs back in and put you a little closer together, but we're still working hard to keep everything safe and socially distanced. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I shared with you the, that uh, in moving around as much as I have in my life and living in eight different states before I got out of high school because my, my father was a pastor and made moves um, either from church to church or even within the same town, they'd build a new parsonage for the church or we'd buy a house or something like that. Um, I, I, uh, in my life, I've encountered a lot of colloquialisms. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that, you know, when I ask somebody how they're doing and they say, I'm living the dream. I'm like, which dream, right? Uh, whose dream? Your mama's dream, your daddy's dream. What do you mean by living the dream? And then last week, I talked to you about the fact that sometimes words, words get meanings added to them, like the word repent uh, gets, gets added to it, this whole sense of, of just, uh, I guess the one that gets me is turn or burn, okay? If you're going to repent, you got to repent, you know, and, and not realizing that the real core meaning of repent is to change your mind. And, and so this morning, I want to combine those two and tell you about another word. Heather kind of talked to you a little bit about it. It's this word blessed. It's, a, it's an interesting word. Because, because the word blessed means different things to different people. And it's become a colloquialism. 
I mean, there are people, when you ask them, how you doing? Blessed. I'm blessed, pastor. You know, I'm not really sure how they know I'm a pastor sometimes, but I get that. I'm blessed. I'm, how you doing? Well, I'm blessed. Well, let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, it's important to know the definition of what you're saying you are. And when Jesus sat on the mountainside, sharing the Beatitudes, which we're going to look at today as a whole. Now, re relax. Um, it, it's, the sermon's still going to be the same length. I do realize I have preached entire series from the, from the Beatitudes, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to look at this concept of what it means for us to be blessed. And when Jesus sat on that mountainside looking out at that crowd of people, he was looking at people who had one definition of blessed, and he had an entirely different one. You see, the definition they had of being blessed in the first century in Israel was that first of all, someone who was blessed was an Israelite. They were Jewish because Israel was the chosen nation of God. And so if you were a part of the chosen nation of God, then you could be blessed. If you were not from that, you could not be blessed. The second thing that the culture of that day would say about being blessed was that, was that someone who was male would be blessed. Um, females were not considered blessed because they weren't male. It was a cultural issue. Uh, the other thing that, that was there, if, if someone was considered to be blessed, they would be someone who would be spiritually, morally, religiously pure. They would be holy and, and spiritually pure. And, and then, in addition to that, there would be some indicator of God's blessing in your life. And normally it would be property or wealth. And, and, and in addition to that, you would also be someone who had health. A, a person who was sick. A person who was, who was born with a birth defect. A, a person who wasn't physically whole. Would, would not be considered blessed. So basically, for these people, the people who were blessed in the first century that Jesus was talking to this crowd during this time frame, their paradigm, their worldview of who was blessed was people who were healthy, wealthy, religious, Jewish men. That's who was blessed. And so Jesus, if you remember when we started talking about this last week, or a couple of weeks ago, and then last week we focused in on how Jesus launched this ministry. Remember, he, he has gone through Galilee, and he's been teaching in the synagogues. And as he's been teaching in the synagogues, the, the people he talks to start demonstrating, showing him their unblessedness, and he begins to heal those people. Listen, in Matthew chapter 4, I'll start reading at verse 23. And Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those with epilepsy, those who were paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis 
and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan River. So what we've got here is a culture that sees blessedness only in healthy, wealthy, religious Jewish men and this teacher, Jesus, who's coming through in the synagogues and he is impacting the lives of people who are not healthy, wealthy, Jewish, religious people, men. And so I would like to suggest to you this morning that perhaps we need to take a closer look at this word blessed. And perhaps we need to get beyond just the kind of definitions that, that Heather was sharing with you that you find in a dictionary that even refer to it as like, you're blessed, you're lucky. But instead that we look more into what Jesus could have been doing. Now, I'll be honest with you. This isn't my first rodeo through the Beatitudes. And this time as I've gone through the Beatitudes, looking at what this means, that God is for us, that Jesus is for you. I, 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 need, to, I need to say to you that I've come to some realizations and some of the things I'm about to say to you may fly in the face of everything else you have ever heard about the Beatitudes. Because I'm, I'm understanding them in connection to the context of chapter four of Jesus' ministry. Instead of taking them out of that context and, and just using them as some kind of, some kind of regulation or, or some kind of way to, to do your life. Listen as I read them for you this morning. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Keep in mind the context. Thousands of people gathered on a hillside in response to, to Jesus having healed people and, and taking care of their afflictions. Seeing those crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus looks out at this mass of humanity 
knowing where some of them have come from, knowing that their expectation of someone who is blessed is someone who is healthy, wealthy, Jewish, religious, and male, and looks at them and says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. For this kingdom of heaven that I've told you it's near, that's when you be in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you mourn because you'll be comforted. Blessed are you when you're meek for you will inherit the earth. He keeps going down and building a case. And I'll be honest with you, for years and years and years, I would read this list and I would think, this, this is how you live in the kingdom of heaven. This is what it means. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I've got to live my life. I've got to do my job. I've got to be the person who's poor in spirit, who mourns with those who mourn, who's meek, who, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, who's merciful, who, who's pure in heart, who's a peacemaker, who, who's persecuted for righteousness sake. I, that, that seemed like the entryway in. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it almost felt like an, an entrance exam <laughs> that you had to take to get into the kingdom of heaven. And if you weren't one of these things, if you weren't poor in spirit, if you didn't mourn, if you weren't meek, if you didn't hunger and thirst for righteousness, well, you just couldn't be in. And I would be honest with you, I think that's the way a lot of people who've, who've read this passage out of its context, I think it's the way that, that they interpret it. I think it's the way that we present it to one another. We, we might not say it blatantly, but, but I think that's the way we live it out. That to be blessed is to, to live in the kingdom of heaven and to do the right thing. And to always yearn for the right thing. And these are the lists, this is the list of the right things. These are the things we're supposed to be about. It's, it's like, if you don't pass this, you don't get in. And I need to tell you, I don't, I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that this is a list of the characteristics of what it means to get into the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe that, that the only people who are blessed are, are the people who do these things because these blessings are not an entrance exam. When you treat them as an entrance exam, then it becomes like that quote from Henry Cloud that I shared with you back last fall. Then the majority of churches in the United States, regardless of the name on the building or the sign, if you go in, you, you hear the same message over and over again in the majority of churches. And that is this, God is good. You are bad. Try harder. When, when you make the 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 Beatitudes, an entrance exam into the kingdom. That's in essence what you're saying. And when we read them that way, then, then we start living our life in such a way that, that we're trying to be poor in spirit and we're trying to be merciful and we're trying to be peacemakers and we're trying to do all of these things so that we can earn God's favor. But that's not what Jesus was doing that day. That's not why Matthew says, 
He opened his mouth. It's a beautiful Hebrew phrase. It's, a, it's an idiom that's used in the Hebrew language. He opened his mouth. What it really means is he said something really important. Not just that he talked, but he said something that was of great magnitude, that went totally against the way everybody else viewed it. But, but maybe you never thought of it that way. Maybe you're, you're more spiritual than I am. You didn't think of it in terms of an entrance exam. Instead, you, you thought of it as, as a way to succeed in life. It, it, you know, it, it, it's, a, it, it's not just a, a way of getting God's favor. No, no, it, it's, a way of, it's a way of succeeding. If you really want to succeed, then be like this. Uh, I mean, that, that's kind of the way we've, we've read it, isn't it? It's a prescription for success. It's kind of, as one author I read this week said, it's kind of like it's the Marines of the church. You're the most spiritual people when you are poor in spirit, when you are merciful, when you are a peacemaker, when you hunger and thirst for, this, this is what we have to go for. If we really want to succeed, it's not just a matter of getting in. No, no, no. This, this is a prescription for how to succeed as a pastor, how to succeed as a Christian, how to succeed as a man, how to succeed as a woman. That's the way we've viewed the Beatitudes. Some of us. For others of us, it's just been, hey, if I, this is how I get in the kingdom. But for others, it's no, no, this, this, is how I, this is how I succeed in the kingdom. Oh, we kind of like James and John and their mama. You remember that story from the Gospels? When, when James and John, the, the sons of thunder, the, the two of the first four disciples that Jesus called, when one day their mother approached Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, when... Uh, when you come into your kingdom, I got a favor to ask of you. Could, could, could you let my boys sit one at your right hand and one at the left? I mean, Jesus, you know, they've been with you since the beginning. I mean, I know Peter was there a little earlier, but, but they've really been more faithful because you know how Peter is, Jesus. He's just always popping off at the mouth, you know? I mean, I, I promise you, Jesus, my boys, they will never embarrass you. Just put James and John right one side, the other side. We'll be good. Jesus looked at her, interesting dialogue, said, you don't know what you're asking, and looked at them and said, hey, are you willing to suffer the death I'm going to suffer? Are you willing to go where I'm going to go? And it's interesting, both of them said, yes, sir, we will. And Jesus never tells them they won't. He doesn't. But he also says, it's not mine to decide. You see, I, I, whether you think these blessings, these beatitudes are, a, are an entrance exam or whether you think they're a prescription for success, the reality is neither one of those fits into the, to the context of how Jesus is sharing with these people. Because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is talking to a group of people whose lives have been totally redirected by an encounter with him. They used to be sick, now they're well. They used to be demon-possessed, now they're free. They used to be lost, now they're found. And so what I'd like to do for you this morning is I'd, I'd like to read you those same Beatitudes, 
not as an entrance exam and not as a prescription, but instead as an invitation to be included in the kingdom of God. Because what I believe happened based on reading Matthew 4 and 5 together is to understand that, that Jesus is looking out at a group of people who he knows have this expectation that the only people who are really blessed are the healthy, wealthy, religious Jewish men. And he goes, no way. Am I gonna limit the blessings of God to that? Instead, he looks out and he sees this crowd. Over in one section, he, he sees some people who are just so broken that they don't think anybody will ever love them. And he goes, you know what? You're blessed. The favor of God is upon you. You're poor in spirit. You're broken. But I want you to know I'm here to let you experience the kingdom of heaven. And then he looks over at another group. And he says, you know what? I know your heart's hurting. I know you're mourning the loss of a loved one. I know you're mourning the loss of a job. I know you're mourning the loss of, of your health. I know you're, you're mourning the loss of a pandemic. If there's any beatitude that we need to hear to know that God is for us, that has importance right now, it's this one because we live in a culture full of mourning. Mourning the things that used to be, mourning the way the world was, mourning all of the different losses we've had in the last two years. And I think Jesus looked out and he, and he saw the people in the crowd whose hearts were broken and he looked at them and said, you know what, you're blessed. You're blessed because you're gonna be comforted. That's why it's so important for us as the church to communicate to people that God is for them, not against them. And then he, he looks over and he sees that one group of people. You know, the people who, who just never quite get it. You know, the ones who just, who just always seem to be on the outskirts. They're just a little timid. And he says, you know what? You're meek. Blessed are you when you're meek because you're actually gonna inherit the entire earth. You're gonna inherit all the things that nobody gives you now. And then he sees those who are hungering and thirsting for God. And he said, you know what? Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you're gonna be satisfied because God is here, the kingdom is here. Or blessed are those of you who give mercy because when you need mercy, it's gonna be given back to you. And he just keeps going as he's looking at the crowd. And he's blessing this segment of the crowd and this segment of the crowd and this segment of the crowd. And he's inviting them into the kingdom saying, you know what, it's not an entrance exam. You don't have to become this way to get in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom when you change your mind, when you repent and you follow me. I've tried to think of something that would be, that would be similar to it in, in our culture. And please forgive me if this sounds sacrilegious to you. But the only thing I can think of that looks similar to me 
is that when Jesus was sitting on the mountain and he's seeing the crowds all around him and he's understanding he's come to bring a different view of blessedness than they've ever experienced, it's kind of like an Oprah Winfrey show where Oprah looks at it and says, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Jesus is looking out at a bunch of broken people and saying, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing. You don't have to become something you're not. He's describing who they are. The Beatitudes are not this entrance exam. The Beatitudes are not this prescription for success. They're an invitation, no matter where you are and what your life is like, to know that God is with you. And he is for you, not against you. See, what it really boils down to is this. We are not blessed because of the conditions in life that we experience. We are blessed because Jesus is with us in the life we experience. That, that's huge. Because your, your pain, your life experience may not be on the list that Matthew put down from the Sermon on the Mount. There may not have been anybody in the crowd with your situation. But the promise is still the same. God is for you. And he's asking you, he's inviting you to let him live in your life. I, I titled this sermon RSVP because um, for the longest time, I couldn't figure out that term. Remember, I have no sisters, just brothers. And my mother's from Eastern Kentucky and my father's from Western Kentucky. And the term RSVP, just when I was a teenager and the first invitation came to go somewhere and it said RSVP, I'm like, what is that? I've since learned, since I have a son who has a PhD in history and speaks three languages and one of them is French, that RSVP stands for Respondez-vous plus? I'm not very good at French. What it means is, tell me you're coming, please. Tell me you're, you're going to accept my invitation. And, and quite honestly, that's, that's, that's what the Beatitudes are really about. But we've, we've made them into something less than what they're invite, intended to be. We've made them into an exam or a prescription, when in reality, Jesus is looking out at the crowd and Jesus is looking out at us and he's saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is here. I am bringing it to you and I am here to be with you, to bless you, not with the conditions of your life, but to bless you with my presence. Do you know what the last words are in Matthew's gospel? After the miracles, after the other teaching passages, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, do you know what the last words recorded 
in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the last part of verse 20. Do you know what it says? It's Jesus talking to the disciples, and he says this, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This morning, my friend, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is here to bless you with his presence. And so we're going we're to close out our worship today with an opportunity to just simply be in his presence. And so I'm going to invite you, if you're on campus with us, to stand. If you're online, I'm going to invite you to, to, to make a space wherever you are. And there's a song that we encountered a few years ago now, a couple of years. The, the title of it is just nothing else. And, and it's, it's a statement that really we just want to be in the presence of God. And there's nothing else that compares to that. And so for those of you on campus, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you, if you'd like, surrounding you on the main floor are four altars. There are two at the front, two at the back. So from wherever you're seated, you can safely get to one. They've been sprayed and sanitized and they're safe. But more than that, they're a safe place for you to talk to God. And so as we sing this song, if, if you're in a place today where you just need to hear, hear Jesus look at you and go, and you get a blessing, and you get a blessing, because your heart is broken and you're mourning, because your spirit is broken and, and you're wondering if anybody cares, because, because you're hungering and thirsting for more of God and you just want to spend time with him. I am just want you to know we're going to make this whole place a, a sacred sanctuary to listen and share. So if you'd like to come to one of these altars as we sing, make it, make it your sacred space, then I invite you to do that. But before we sing, I just want to pray for you. Okay? Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, we've come into this room today. We've, we've, we've joined in the online community today from, from all kinds of situations. There are people, quite honestly, in hospital beds watching online today. There are some of us who came in today and, and our hearts are so heavy because our wounds are so deep. There are some of us who've come in today and our hearts are so joyful because we've seen your presence with us and we've experienced your blessing. Wherever we're from right now, God, thank you that Jesus came to let us know that you are with us from the time he was born as a baby, and they said his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. To the, day, to the day he left the face of this earth and said, I'm coming back. But until then, just know my spirit is with you. 
God, I pray that we'll accept your invitation. We will RSVP to your invitation to be blessed. Lord, it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray.